0: So I think it's important to um, look at what it means to be a successful Christian. Um, Because I think we, a lot of times, equate our faith and our level of devotion to the Lord with the success that we have in our endeavors that we uh, feel that he's calling us to. And that's a complete misconception. Uh, We are absolutely not called to be successful 100% of the time nor does our success rate prove faith or level of devotion to the Lord. Um, And we see that clear example today in that Paul is devoting himself entirely to the preaching of the word, as it says, and he is met with so much opposition that he barely makes any converts, right? He's, He's preaching and he's going, it says, week after week to the synagogue and no one seems to be really getting his message. They're not listening to him. It says a little while later, okay, Titus Justice, he came to believe, and then Crispus, he came to believe, and their households too. So, you know, a small handful of people. Um, But at first, he's not successful at all. He he eventually does start a church in Corinth. You know, that's why we have the letter to the Corinthians, um, the first and the second one. But uh, it, it just kind of throws in there at the end that many of the Corinthians who heard believed and were baptized. But it, initially it says he's met with so much uh, um, opposition and really just not being successful. And I think so many times we also find ourselves in a, a manner of not being successful and we lose hope. We get very distraught that, well, this clearly wasn't the Lord's will for me. I must have misheard him. I wasn't discerning properly. It's all going terribly wrong because if the Lord really wanted me to do this, he would have made everything perfect and successful. That's not really the case. Um, I'm I'm often reminded of um, the, I guess, Mother Teresa is quoted as saying, you know, the Lord doesn't want our success. He wants our obedience. He wants us to be faithful to what we feel he is asking us to do, and then do it, regardless of the success or failure apparent in the eyes of the world. Um, And I've I've never related more to Paul than recently, Um, not because I was a murderous religious zealot at first and then had a conversion to Jesus, no, but because when we meet this opposition and we see our efforts being fallen on almost deaf ears, it can, it can seem like, what's the point? And there's nothing more depressing than saying mass only to a camera. For the past couple of months, you know, I've been saying mass on the weekends to a cell phone, on a tripod, that's it. Really hard to find motivation, I'm not going to lie. Like, Yes, I know people are watching it, but when there's no one with me, when there's very limited people, it's like, well, what's the point? No one's here. I'm not converting the masses. I'm converting the two or the one. And yet we're reminded of um, James chapter 5, verse 20, when it says, the return of one sinner. If one person is in error and you counsel them and bring them back to the faith, it covers a multitude of sins. And then we can go uh, to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Same thing. It says love will cover a multitude of sins. So if we're loving, even if we're only loving one person, that has a powerful effect for them, but then also for us, because it covers a multitude of our sins. It's kind of like that holy uh, insurance plan or like a pyramid scheme, whatever you want to think about. But if I'm helping you, really, I'm helping me. So, it doesn't matter if we're talking to hundreds of people, which I think every priest in his mind imagines will, you know, the effect of his homily will be hundreds of conversions, or if we're talking to one, the one person that God has placed before us that day, in that moment, to hear his words through our voice. Um, So, just a, a reminder that our success is not always linked to worldly standards, but rather, it's our obedience to God and preaching the message um, that, that he wants us to do. Um, and then just a small quick note on the gospel. Um, I just like how this, I can see Jerry Seinfeld and like George Costanza having this conversation in an episode of Seinfeld because they repeat the same phrase over and over again. A little while you'll see me and a little while again you won't see me what does he mean a little while he'll see me and then he won't see me? You know, like this is such just a comedic exchange to me because the disciples have no idea what's going on. They have no idea that Jesus is talking about the resurrection, but first he has to die. I mean, yes, we know, we know the end of the story. We're sitting here reading it with already the ending in mind. And we're like, yeah, of course. What else could he mean? A little while you're gonna see me and then a little while you won't, but then you'll see me again. We know exactly what he's talking about. But for the disciples, it's so very, very confusing. And this is, again, you don't have to be successful in deciphering the words of Jesus. You just need to be obedient to what he says. Okay, Lord, a little while and I'll see you. A little while I won't see you, but then I might see you again. Whatever that means, I'm willing to follow you. So as we continue our time of um, looking forward to reopening of the churches. I I really pray that people in a safe manner would um, come and be a part of the church uh, again in person, Um, but also to not get discouraged if for a little longer um, we don't see you, because again, eventually we will.